Come on, Steve. We've got D in the carpet. Failure is not an option. It's a problem of motivation, all right? Boy's got a mouth like a cannon, always shooting it off. Yeah, something like that. It's the good stuff. And here we go! Shake it back! <laughs> Does that feel good? Yeah, it rhymes. They're both verbs. It's awesome. So listen to that. Welcome back to another episode of Strictly Outside the Lines. What an episode it was last week. I got so much feedback from that one. Um, and I actually want to share that with you because a lot of today's episode is based off of the feedback I got from last week. And that's because I strongly believe in being able to learn from others and learn from your experience and make corrections if need be. So last week uh, was a pretty fiery uh episode where I called out a lot of the people involved in the shidduch system, the dating system, um, and a lot of the things that they're not doing right or they're doing wrong, or a lot of the ways they're shooting themselves in the foot. This episode is going to be different because as I referenced last time, um, when reaching out to one of my personal friends and mentors, um, and when he gave me a hard time and, and he really uh, beat me over the head, I told him I'm fine with criticism, but if you give me criticism, tell me what I did wrong why I was wrong, and how to improve it. So that's really what this episode is going to be. It is going to be about the shidduch system. It is going to be about dating and marriage. And it's going to be a continuation of last week, and it's going to be a response or, or really getting started with the response to, well, we know what was what people are doing wrong. Let's talk about how it's wrong, and let's talk about how to improve it, how to fix it. But I think a lot of that is in the responses that I got from last week. So last week, I got feedback from many people, and there were three primary, primary responses. The first one was something along the lines of, I'm offended. Um, a handful of people reached out to me telling me how upset they were and how they felt that I was attacking them, and that's fine. The other handful of people said, oh, I loved it. It was great. It's exactly what needs to be out there in the world. And those two are great, and you know what? That's typical to have either extreme. But the one that is really important is the response that I got from a lot fewer people that was more of a medium middle ground response. And that was, I didn't agree with everything you said, but I appreciated it. Number of people, very few people, reached out to me and told me that, you know, they didn't agree with everything I said, that I think I'm off base with certain things. And that's okay, but they appreciated it nonetheless. And here's the best part about it. They followed up with, here's where I think you need to understand things differently. And here's where I think that we as a whole, as a collective society, need to be working on. You know, one of the specific examples was, you know, I made comments about parental involvement. And now here's the thing. We talk in very general terms because, you know, there's many, many people in society and, and culture and in our community. And we have to kind of address things on a general basis. Yet nothing that we, we, we can't take general advice and apply it specifically. Rather, we have to take general advice and apply it to our specific lives. So if I say something, for example, let's use an example of parental involvement in dating. If I say your parents shouldn't be involved, I'm not saying your parents shouldn't be involved. What I'm saying is you have to take a hard look at your life and your dating experience and determine for yourself, how are your parents involved? 
is it healthy or is it not healthy? Because for some people, it shouldn't be happening. And for some people, it should be happening. So, but again, because I want to focus on that last response of I didn't agree with everything, but I appreciate it because that really is the, the approach for success in anything, really, especially in Shadok and dating. You're going to have experiences in life that you're going to absolutely love. And you're going to have experiences that you're going to absolutely hate. I'm here to tell you that finding the middle ground of both of those is going to be a thousand times more beneficial to your future success. If you can take an experience that you hated and learn from it and use it to help you grow, you will be that much more successful. I did this when I was dating. Again, the very first person I did it, I, I mentioned this previously, it was, we went out twice and I learned so much about myself in that time. Now, here's the thing. I could have looked at that and said that what a waste of $1,000 because it cost me close to $1,000 every time I had to travel and to date somebody between flights and car rentals and dates and whatnot. I could have looked at that and said, what a waste. Instead, I chose to look at it and say, okay, what did I learn about myself? What did I learn about the process? What can I take from this moving forward? So learning to live within that middle ground. Again, that's strictly outside the lines. The lines say horrible or amazing. Strictly outside the lines is ironically, in this case, in between. It's that idea of this was neither horrible nor was it amazing, but I'm taking something from it. Because here's the thing. When it comes to dating, whether you're Jewish or not, whether you're going through the shidduch system or not, your dating should be for the purpose of getting married. And if that's not your approach to dating and it's never going to be your approach to dating, then you don't have to continue listening. If you're dating because you want to have a good time and every night you want to sleep with somebody else and every night you want to be with somebody else, then stop listening because I'm not talking to you. And there's other issues we got to talk about with that, but I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those people who are dating because they know at some point in their dating relationship, they want to be getting married. Well, in that case, you have to be approaching your marriage. Rather, you have to be approaching your dating with a marriage mindset. You need to be coming at this with, how is this going to look like when I'm married? A lot of people, again, I mentioned this last week, a lot of people get caught up in the here and the now. What does this person look like now? What do I want now? You have to have the mindset of what is this going to look like in the future? Is this going to work out in the future? You know, when I started dating, and this is something I think everybody needs to be doing, before you start dating, and listen, if you've already started dating, then, then do this now simultaneously. You need to look at this as an investment in yourself, an investment in your future. Do you want to be married to the best person possible? Or do you want to be married to somebody that things are going to be passable? I'm pretty sure you want to be married to the best person possible. Well, that's going to require investments. It's going to require you investing in yourself to become the best person possible. But how do you know what the best person possible means and what it needs to be if you don't know what your life is going to look like, you don't know what you want your life to look like. You know, it's pretty incredible because I released the episode on Wednesday last week, and I think it was Wednesday night or Thursday that uh, one of my friends sent me a video from Jem. Jem is Jewish Educational Media. They are a Jewish Chabad-owned company that produces, they put out videos um, with regards to the Lubavitcher movement, the Chabad movement, the, the Chabad Rebbe, um, and it happened to be floating around that week. Um, and my friend sent this to me was an interview that was done with my father um, years ago. And it was a short five to eight minute snippet, I think it was, of 
him talking about the private audience he had with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Grand Rabbi of the Chabad Hasidic movement. And again, this we're talking about when he was, this was probably in the 70s, I think. Um, you know, this was, this was when he was a young man. And it was a private audience he had with the Rebbe and the Rebbe's advice to him with regards to marriage. So I want to read for you, and I, I paused the video and I wrote down word for word. Again, to put this into context, my father went into a private meeting with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe was a spiritual guide. He was a, he was a mentor for many people, and he was that for my father, as he is for me today, even though he's no longer alive. Um, and the advice he gave to my father about marriage was as follows. He said, before marriage, there has to be a bond. The woman has to have a desire and understanding of what the man wants in his life. And the man has to have a desire and understanding of what the woman wants most in life. You have to know the other's vision, support it, support it, and want it for them. This creates a bond. Now, there's a number of things to go off with over here. Number one, the thing that stands out to me the most is, well, if a bond is created through knowing each other's vision and desiring that for them, that means you have to have a vision for your life. Where is your life going? What direction are you taking it in? Many people think it's, you know, get married, marry a wife, create a life. It's the exact opposite. Define your life. Create your life, the direction you are going in. Your life has to be something more than showing up to a nine-to-five, collecting a paycheck, and going home and sitting and watching TV. Your life has to be for the betterment of society. It has to be dedicated and devoted to improving the world, especially if you are somebody who is Jewish, who believes in the concept of adira betachonim, creating a dwelling place for God in this world. And even if you're not Jewish, what is your higher purpose? What is your higher calling? You have to know the direction you're heading, because when you do that, then you can bring your wife into the picture. Then you can go out there and find somebody whom you want to marry. And back to the whole thing of seeing a resume on paper, you get the girl's resume and you look at it and you say, I'm not attracted to her. Again, this is proof positive. You will not be attracted to her because you don't know what she looks like. Not Sorry, you don't know what she wants in life. You don't know what her vision is. This is also why when I was doing shidduch coaching and helping people through the dating and marriage process, the very first thing I did was I threw out their old resumes. Because the old resume says, oh, this is who I am um, and this is what I'm looking for in a wife. You don't know what you're looking for in a wife because you don't know what you're looking for in life. So when I had people doing their resumes, I had them rewrite it with, this is the life that I am looking to create for myself and my family. Because when you focus on your life that you're creating or you want to create, it makes it that much easier to attract the right person into it. My mentors have always said, it's not what do you want to do with your life, it's how do you want to live your life. When you focus on that question, everything else falls into place. But again, you have to make that investment. Know your vision for your future. Know what you want and desire so that way you can sit down across from a young lady or from a young man and know if they're going to fit into your life. If you share your vision and they laugh at you, say, I want to, you know, one day I want to have a multi-million dollar business in a private jet and I want to be able to travel the world with my wife and they laugh at you. Oh, you just learned something very valuable. They're not going to support you. They're not the right person for you. It doesn't matter how attractive and good-looking they are. They're not the right one for you. Yet, if you are sitting across from somebody who isn't as attractive as their picture, and you say, 
this is my dream. I want to have a ranch. I want to be able to impact people. I want to have many people over at my house for a Shabbos meal. I want to have an open home that is warm and welcoming and is the center of the community. If that person can say, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to. Or that person says, oh, that's a beautiful, that's amazing. Or in the case of my wife and I, they say, no, that's incredible. And that's amazing that you want that. And I'm totally supportive of you having that. That's not what I'm looking for, but I want you to have that. Then you know you found the right person. See, here's the thing with between my wife and I, I'm the person, I'm a big dreamer. I want these big, grandiose plans, and I want to be impacting thousands upon millions upon people, and I want to be doing these amazing things. My wife wants a simple life. It's funny because I think in our fourth year of marriage, maybe third, fourth year of marriage, I think it was a fourth year of marriage, I had these visions for having a big mansion, multi-million dollar mansion with a multi-million dollar estate. She wanted a cottage by the lake. And for some reason, it caused strife between us. Probably my fault. 95% sure it was my fault. But here's what we learned. We learned that we can have both of those. We learned that, well, I want to kind of be a public figure in the sense that I'm helping out many hundreds of thousands of people. She was happy to support me in that. As long as she has her kitchen, her commercial grade kitchen where she can bake her sourdough and cook her delicious food, which is probably the reason why I'm fat. You know, as long as she has that, she's good to go. And you know what? I want her to have that simple life. I also want to be able to bring her along with my life. So you have to have a vision for your life of where you're heading. And here's the thing. In order to be that person, in order for me to be that person who's so influential, I need to be, I need to become that person. I need to work at it every single day. If I want to influence other young men between the ages of 25 to 35 and young husbands and fathers to become the best that they can be to actualize their potential as a father and a husband in the areas of faith, finances, fitness, and family, well, I have to be that person. I have to do the hard work. So if you're looking to create this life, and that is step one, what is the life you want to create? What is that vision? Step two, who do you need to be in order to live that life? Start working on it now. Stop looking at the resume and where they worked at camp. That, that doesn't matter. The only reason why that matters is, is there common ground that you can talk about on the first date. What matters most is where are they looking to go in life? Where are you looking to go in life? If you can figure that out, then you are a thousand, you're 95% of the way there. Figure those things out. I do want to address some of the other feedback I got because I think it's important to kind of clear the air and then move on. You know, some people got to me, they got back to me and they said um, that what if a person, uh, they, they need certain security blankets in place to protect them. So for example, whether that's your parents being the one dealing with your shidduch and primarily dealing with the dating, whether it's needing X, Y, or Z to help protect you. Here's the thing. If you're having a difficulty committing to people and you can identify it as there's something internal going on or you have a feeling that there's maybe some past trauma or some inexperience with regards to a certain matter, it is your obligation and your responsibility to go get that fixed, to go work on that. Now, whether you believe you can fix trauma, heal trauma, or whether you believe it's something that's always going to be there, the fact of the matter is you can learn to live with it. You can learn to live through it. The amount of times I've, you know, people have looked into somebody or they've been dating somebody and they find out that they have anxiety or they find out that they have, uh, you know, divorce in the family, whatever it may be, and they call it off. That's not a reason to call it off. You have to be aware that it's there and then be willing to work with it. Again, I'm very transparent. Um, 
when I was dating my wife, it came out that she had thyroid something or other hypothyroid thyroidism or hyperthyroidism or whatever. And I looked into it and it turns out that basically what it means is that it, it, it messes with her emotions, <laughs> um, you know, and that at any given moment she could swing one way to the other. And that this was something that I would have to, you know, think about and consider before getting married to her. Um, now, I had people telling me, drop it, drop her, don't go out with her, it's not worth it. And then I had somebody who, actually one person in particular, who said, be aware of what it means, but don't necessarily say no to her just because of it. Understand what that's going to look like. So what we came to learn was, okay, well, hyperthyroidism, whatever it is that my wife has, it just means that there's going to be times when her emotions are going to be a little out of whack. You know, she may not be able to totally regulate emotionally, um, especially during pregnancy. And you know what? That was one of the challenges when we she was pregnant with my set with our second. She her her medicine wasn't working properly, um, and her pregnancy emotions were like you know off the wall. And here I was struggling with it all. You can imagine how much she was struggling. But here I was thinking that now I'm I'm blaming her for her lack of emotional control, which is what led to where we were going. But in reality, it was I forgot the fact that when I married her, I made that commitment to live with her and to be alongside her no matter what. And that I knew that I would, I knew that I was making that commitment that despite all challenges, I was going to be there. And I had to remember that. And that's an end up what happening is I ended up remembering my commitment to her and, you know, thank God we worked it out. And over the years we've learned, which medicines work best for her, what, you know, birth controller or whatever it may be, how does she operate best? What does she need most? And I'm able to now identify that if she's having an emotional swing because of her medicines or whatever, I know that it means that I need to step up in a certain way. So here's the thing. You can't just say no to somebody just because they're not that perfect person that you want because there's things out of control. On the other hand, know yourself well enough that if you're not able to handle somebody who's got anxiety, then don't don't drag them along. Leave it. Don't even consider it because you're not the man that you need to be in order to be that person's ideal husband. It's not their fault. This is entirely on you. But again, if you have trauma from your past, whether physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, whatever it may be, if there is trauma that you've experienced, if there are internal issues that you've that you need to work on, it is your responsibility to be open and honest with them, with yourself about it, and get that worked out. The amount of people I've heard of who got married and then it comes out that this person has this disease or this person has bipolar or this person has schizophrenia or whatever it may be, it only comes out after the fact or they, they hide it about the family member, whether there's autism in the family, whether there's schizophrenia or bipolar or any of these other things that are genetic and they hide it because they don't want it to ruin their chances. Well, first of all, if you are somebody with a challenge like that or with a medical issue or with, again, even an emotional thing, Get it worked out. Figure it out. Be in the process of improving that and healing that. It's your responsibility. But if you have trauma, you come from a background of divorce, and that's preventing you from moving forward, you need to go to therapy. You need to get counseling. Otherwise, you won't have a marriage that will be amazing, wonderful marriage. You're going to struggle. Own the fact of where you come from. Own who you are and take care of it. Because again, you're dating for the life ahead of you. And you need to be re real. If something's not going to go away, you need to know that. So again, um, when it comes to pre-dating, 
I have a feeling that we're going to have to do multiple episodes, at least another episode on this topic of Shadokham and dating and marriage. But you're making an investment in yourself. So therefore, you need to educate yourself as to who you are, how you tick. There's an amazing thing called temperament testing. Our no profile system of temperament testing. It gets down to you at your core as to who you are as God created you. And it is so powerful and so impactful. I highly suggest um, if you don't have your temperament testing, you get it done. If you need somebody to do it for you, reach out to me. I can connect you with some people who can help you with it. But to give an example, uh, within my temperament, I don't like controlling people. Um, I want to make sure that people have all the things that they need. No, that's what it is. I want to make sure, I have a need to make sure that everybody has what they want. My wife, on the other hand, doesn't want to have to make decisions. This is how, how we've been created at our core. So what was happening? She would ask me what I wanted for dinner, or I would ask if you want to go out for dinner. Then she would say, yes. I would say, what do you want? And she, I don't know. And it would, it, it pissed me off. <laughs> and it, it caused so much stress and anxiety between the two of us, so many arguments because she wouldn't decide what she wanted because I was just trying to make her happy. I just wanted her to be happiest because that's within my temperament, that need to give in that way. Her temperament says, I don't want to make decisions. Once I had that understanding of, she will be happy with whatever decision I make as long as I'm the one making the decision. It completely changed things around. So you have to know who you are. You have to know what makes you tick. What are your what are the red flags? What things set you off? What things make you happy? You have to know how you function. If you have issues with your parents, address those issues. If you have eating issues, know that. Whatever it is, whatever makes you tick, however you operate, your vices and your virtues, you have to know them so that you can go into marriage in the proper way. The next thing I want to talk about is this resume, right? Uh, the thing that I absolutely love and hate because it's so stupid. Um, unfortunately, though, it's the way the system works, and that's you know, it's how it needs to be done because if you don't use it, then you're looked at being somebody who's not part of society and culture. There is a better way of doing it, though. If you have to subscribe to the methodology of using a resume, again, I would encourage you not to write it out as this is who I am, this is where I've been, this is what I'm looking for in a spouse. Write it as this is the life that I'm looking to create. I want to create a life where I have a good job that I go to and I get to come home and spend my nights and weekends with my family. I want to create a job. I want to live a life where I'm traveling constantly with my family. I want to live a life of seclusion where it's just me and my family living within a community, but you know, nobody knows us. Nobody really needs to know us, whatever. I want to live a life where our house has an open door policy and people can come in or leave whenever they want. Whatever it is, that needs to be on your paper in a paragraph. It needs to express who, sorry, it needs to express the lifestyle that you are looking to live. Because when you do that, the other person, whether it's a guy or a girl looking at your profile, looking at your resume can say, I resonate with that. I'm interested in that. Nobody cares if you're a sweet, kind, caring, loving guy who's such a mensch, nobody cares that you went to this, this seminary and this and this high school and you got this degree. Nobody cares, especially if you're a woman and you've got a degree in something and you're planning on being a stay-at-home mom, then that information is irrelevant. If you're a guy and you went to um, seminary for the arts or yeshiva for the arts and you're planning on pursuing coding, then it doesn't matter where you went for high school. I don't care where you worked as a camp counselor. I don't care how many years... You worked as a head counselor. That's, that doesn't make a difference for married life. What does make a difference is what is the life you're looking to live? Another one of the things that I got, um, I get this all the time. 
Well, I used to get this all the time when I was doing shit off coaching and I stopped. And this is one of the reasons. People go out on a date. They go out on two dates and then they end because I'm not feeling it. What are you not feeling? What is there to feel? Again, if you go back to the story of my father with the Rebbe and the advice that the Rebbe gave my father, where the bond is created through a shared vision, if you haven't shared your vision with her and she hasn't shared her vision with you, there's not going to be any feeling. The only feelings you need to be looking out for in the first three dates are, is it a yucky feeling? Or is it a good feeling? Not feeling it means I'm not attracted to her. I'm not attracted to him. You're not going to be attracted to them. You've only met them for two times. This bogus excuse of I'm not feeling it needs to be thrown out the window and burned. What you need to be thinking about, when I came out of that date, did I feel good? Did I enjoy myself? And again, whether this is the shidduch world or whether this is the world of non-Jewish dating, if you're spending time with him, if the guy was a complete douchebag, that's called a yucky feeling. Don't keep going out with him. If you keep going out with him because you think that's all that you deserve, that's an issue you need to work out. Go get counseling. Go get a life coach. Go get a therapist. Okay? Also, people, stop listening to your single friends. Okay? Anyway. Um, again, you need to know, is this a good feeling? Did I feel good about myself? Did I feel good about them? Did I feel bad? Did I feel gross? What was the feeling that you got out of it. If you felt gross because the person didn't look like their picture, that's not enough of a reason. If you felt gross because there was a homeless person sitting next to you, that's not enough of a reason. This whole idea of I'm not feeling it, that, that doesn't cut it. Now, there's a difference between saying I wasn't feeling it and not being compatible. Again, to use the example of the first person I dated. Oh, poor girl. I hope she's not listening to this. Um, the, or actually, I hope that she's listening to this. And I hope that she's happily married. And she can look back at this and laugh as laugh about it as much as I can. And hopefully, she took away from it the same way I took away from it. You know, I, that is my greatest hope and desire is that all the girls that I have dated are now happily married with their husbands and able to look back at this story, these stories, and our experiences together and laugh about them and, and, and have fun with them. Anyway. Not compatible is different than not feeling it. Not feeling it, it's a feeling that comes from nowhere. It's not a legitimate thing. Again, unless it's something of they made me feel bad or they made me feel really good. In which case, the feeling is a feeling that's important. But that has more to do with it being compatible. This first person that I dated, I mentioned that I was looking for somebody positive. She was totally not. I knew that if I spent the rest of my life with her, I would spend the rest of my life in misery. Why? Because she was somebody who did not have principles and she did not have st standards. Actually, the only standards she had were double standards. She would she questioned me and grilled me on my political beliefs. And when I said I don't have a party that I prescribe to, she questioned me and grilled me and said it's not possible. And then when I turned the question around after an hour being grilled and asked her, what are your political beliefs? She responded with, oh, I'm neither Democrat or Republican. I don't believe in that. So basically, the whole thing that she'd spent an hour and a half telling me I cannot hold to, she held to. I knew that it was going to be a life of double standards. I knew it was going to be a life of negativity. So it's not compatible. We're not looking to live the same life. Somebody else that I did, I was looking for a life of impact, I was looking for a life of having an open house, and she wanted to keep it herself. It's not compatible. So you can tell after a date or two if something is compatible or not. But that is very different than saying, I'm not feeling it. 
Okay, the last thing I want to address in this episode, and then we'll do a continuation in the next episode, is parental involvement. Because again, I've said it in the past, you're getting married to live your life. You're creating your marriage, your life together moving forward. You need to be the ones marrying them. I strongly believe that you need to be more involved in this process than your parents are. That being said, there is a place for your parents. I was speaking to one individual, and she was telling me how with her experience, she did not have her parents involved at all because they didn't get the system. They didn't get how to work the system. They didn't get how the shidduch and dating system worked. So it didn't make sense to have them involved. There was another individual I was speaking to, and he was telling me how for his emotional well-being, his parents needed to be involved. Because it was a buffer zone. They protected him from some of the hardships of the dating world. So there is a place. But at the end of the day, you need to be involved in your dating process. You need to be involved in making the final decision. Do you go out with a person? Do you not go out with a person? Your parents are there to support you. Your parents are there to help you. But you need to be the one taking charge of it. So this is, in very short, um, you know, the first couple steps. And again, I want you to really focus on that idea of even if you're already dating, if you're just starting dating, heck, even if you're already married, focus on these things. What is the vision that you have for your life? What is the life that you are looking to live? How does it add and contribute to society, to the community, to the culture, to the world at large, and to God? That's first of all. Second of all, who do you need to become in order to live that life? Third of all, who are you inviting into that life to be part of that life? If you're working a dead-end job and you're ready to get out of the job and you want a better job, okay, what is that vision of that better job? Who do you need to become in order to deserve that job? And who are the people that are going to help you get there? If you have a big grand vision for yourself, for your life, you need to make sure you've got the right people surrounding you the right people involved with you. Make sure you have the right tools, the right resources, the right mindset to propel you forward so that you can really create that life that you want to live, that dream life. And I'm sure that when you start doing that, you're going to see that you really fall in that middle category, that category of the person who says, I don't agree with everything. I didn't like everything that happened but I'm going to learn from it, and I can understand it. Welcome to the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would let me know by hitting that follow button and the notification bell so that the next time I release an episode, you'll be notified and you'll be able to listen to it. Additionally, it would help me immensely if you could leave me a rating and, of course, write a review. I would love to hear back from you, from your feedback, whatever it may be. So please be sure to reach out either through my email, through any of my social media platforms, or by leaving a voice note. I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast.